Tonight, we're going to talk about the parable of the sower. And I know for many of you, you would think, I know this parable, I know it well, I know all the details to it. But I want to, for a moment or two, to introduce this great parable. And uh, I want to go back over the verses that Brother David just read to us a few moments ago. On the same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea. When you think about him talking about the sea, don't think of the Mediterranean Sea. Don't think of the Atlantic Ocean or the Pacific Ocean or that. This is the Sea of Galilee, which is often referred to as the Lake of Tiberias, 13 mile long, about six or seven miles at the widest point. You usually can see most of the shoreline while you're at one of the places along the Sea of Galilee. It said in great multitudes were gathered together to him. Well, the Lord is beginning this great Galilean ministry. There are a lot of people who are interested in what he has to say. Not everybody is. In fact, there's a number of people who are looking for Jesus to say something of which to accuse him. But there are all, there's so many people, they want to know about this kingdom the Lord has been speaking of. So it said, so that he got into a boat and sat. And the multitude, whole multitude, stood on the shore. Then he spoke many things to them in parables. For just a moment or two, I'd like to let you visualize what's taking place. If you were to look from a drone down over the northern shore of the Sea of Galilee, you would see an area that's known as the Cove of the Sower. Just next to it, you'll notice an area that's almost at the top of your screen, and that's Capernaum. That's the city of Jesus. So it's very likely that somewhere along this northern shore is where we read about in Matthew's account. The Cove of the Sower is also the same area where the Sermon on the Mount was delivered. In fact, if you are looking from the water in the Cove of the Sower, you look up and directly in front of you is the area that is known as the area of the Sermon on the Mount. And if you're on top of the mount and looking back to the water, you're looking at the same area where the Sermon on the Mount was delivered and Jesus would have been in that cove in a boat. Let's talk about the text now for just a minute. We want to look at this parable here. It is recorded in Matthew chapter 13, Mark chapter 4, and Luke chapter 8. All three of the record accounts of it are a little bit, uh, one will tell you a little more information than the other, but they all three harmonize perfectly. We're going to look at Matthew's account in verses 3 through 9. Then he spoke many things to them in a parable and saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow. And he sowed and some seed fell by the wayside and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places and where they did not have much earth and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched because they had no root and withered away. And some fell on the thorns and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But the others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. 
When you study the parables, particularly beginning here in Matthew 13, you realize these are the parables of the kingdom. Very important idea. Because there's going to be six more parables that follow just one right after another. The parable of the tares, the parable of the mustard seed, the parable of the leaven, the parable of the treasure in the field, the parable of the pearl of great price, and then the parable of the dragnet. I cannot overemphasize that the point of the parable relates to the kingdom. If I could get you to remember one thing when you walk out about the parables of the sower is to remember that the Lord was talking about the kingdom of the church that was to come. If you remember chapter 4 verse 17, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He was coming announcing, as John the Baptist did, that the kingdom is coming. In Matthew 10, 7, when he sent the disciples out on the limited commission, he said, as you go preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Chapter 13 now, where we're studying from, verse 11, he says, because to you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but unto them it has not been given. There's something about these parables that was meant to reveal to certain ones what was going to be a part of this kingdom. Verse 19, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who receives seed by the wayside. I want you to understand it's all about the kingdom, and that's what the Lord intended to say. This kingdom was not something that's going to be at the end of time. You know, those friends we have who are part of groups who believe in premillennialism, they're telling you, oh, the kingdom hasn't come yet. It's something way in the future. But do you remember Matthew 16, 28? I say to you that some standing here will not taste of death till they shall see the Son of Man coming in His kingdom. So this was something expected in the lifetime of those people whom Jesus was speaking to. He also said it was not going to be some sort of physical kingdom where you could say low here or low there. He says the kingdom of God is within you. It's a spiritual kingdom. And so all these things we're learning here is focused on that. Here's what we're going to do tonight as we look through this lesson. We're going to look at the sower, we're going to look at the seed, and we're going to look at the soils. When you study the parables, sometimes you'll have a lot of little individual details. Sometimes these details are essential to the message. The four types of soil, they're essential to the message. The sower is essential to the message. Some of them are only incidental. And you say, well, how do I know how to interpret the parables? Jesus shows you. The disciples will come to him and say, Lord, Explain to us this parable and he'll explain what it all means. Jesus used a definite article and he says, The sower went out to sow. And that's likely a person he has in sight. I want you to picture a man who has a sack thrown over his shoulder and he is scattering seed. Much like this man is here. He's tilled up some of the, the ground that's on a hillside and He's walking along and he's scattering seed that he has in a sack. Don't think of a tractor with a platter following behind it. When you study this passage, clearly Jesus identifies himself as the sower. 
You remember chapter 13, verse 37. He said, he who sows a good seed is the son of man. Jesus is the one who is sowing that seed. And the seed didn't just fall out of the bag. It was sowed with intent. He went out to sow. You know, sometimes you may be uh, in your garden and you'll find up some, some things that will come up volunteer. There was some seed left from last year. But this was sown with intent. Jesus talks about the sower going out to sow. The only way you're going to have a harvest is if you sow. Psalm 126 verse 6 says, He who goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, notice he's got the seed with him to sow, shall doubtless come again rejoicing, bringing sheaves with him. And Ecclesiastes 11 verse 6, In the morning sow your seed, and in the evening do not withhold your hand, for you do not know whether this will prosper, or which will prosper, either this or that, or whether both alike will be good. You don't know when you go out and you sow seed where that seed is going to do well this year or not. But one thing you do know, that if you don't sow the seed, you will not reap a harvest. So we know the sower is the Lord. The seed, we have no doubt about it either. In Luke's chapter 8 and verse 11, now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. So now I have no doubt about who the sower is and what the seed is that is being sown. If you go back to verse 27 of Matthew 13, you find out this is good seed. You know, there's times when you sow some seed that's not good. I remember a few years ago I had a spot in my yard that needed to be sown down. I went and bought some seed. I thought I was buying a bargain. I sowed it and I got weeds. I don't know about you, but that really wasn't what I was wanting. wasn't what I was intending. I was looking for Kentucky 31, and I got all these weeds that come up. That was a good seed. He said, servants of the owner came and said, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? How does it have these weeds? An enemy has done this. But even good seed does no good unless it's sown. Haggai chapter 2 verse 19 says, Is the seed still in the barn? Have you put that seed in there or have you sown it? If it's still in the barn, it won't do you any good. Now, Jesus describes four different types of hearts illustrated by four different types of soil. This is the primary point of the message here. He's trying to explain about the way different people receive the gospel. You know, it's just like tonight. I walk up here and I look out over the audience and I recognize your faces. You're the folks I see week in and week out. And you're the folks here with your Bibles open, with some of you taking notes, some of you with, with intense interest. There's also times when you're looking out and you see people who you know have no interest at all in what you're saying. Perhaps they're there because someone drugged them there. I want you to think not of a tractor planting seed. I want you to think of a camel pulling some sort of plow. And the soil being tilled and the farmer planting in the various types of soil. The first type of soil that he describes is the wayside soil. In Luke 8 and verse 12, those by the wayside are the ones that hear. Then the devil comes and takes the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and say, be saved. 
Notice, if you will, here, the wayside is from the same word that is translated road. And again, you don't think of a paved road. What you need to think of is a packed pathway, a path that people walk on, and it's packed down, much like this photo here. You'll notice that you have grain that's growing, but you have a place where some sort of machinery has gone through and the ground is packed. If seed falls on that, the seed will never penetrate it and there'll be nothing that'll grow there. Hardened hearts like hardened soil cannot receive the seed. And there's some people that regardless of how much preaching you do to them, it never penetrates their heart. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, Paul described these people. He says, But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. There are some people that when you preach, they listen to what you're saying. They say, I don't believe that. I'm not going to accept that. Many worldly people have no interest in spiritual things. In Mark 16 and verse 16, he puts it very simply. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. Someone says, why didn't he say not be baptized? Oh, it's pretty obvious. If the seed doesn't penetrate your heart and you don't believe, nothing else really matters. He who does not believe is condemned. The second type soil that he speaks of here is the rock soil or the stony ground. Luke 8 and verse 13 says, but the ones on the rock are those who when they hear receive the word with joy and these have no root who believe for a while in a time of temptation fall away. In reality, this is what we might call shallow ground. You see, in our area, when we think of stony grounds, Many of you may well think of a piece of property here where there's a lot of rocks in it. And those rocks will tear up your implements and do damage to them. Well, that's not the way you need to think of it. You need to think of a ledge of rock that has a little soil deposited in it in various places. And the seed falls in that and it grows up immediately. Mark says in chapter 4, verse 5, he says, Some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth. To give you some kind of idea, here's a photo from the northern shore of the Sea of Galilee, same area where Jesus spoke. And you see those little rocks sticking up out of the soil. And you may think, well, there's deep earth, but really this is all rock through there. And it's just like soil has deposited itself in some of the low spots. And you can see grass growing up through it. You know what happens when it gets dry? You know what happens when the sun comes out? That where there's not a lot of depth will begin to die. Little moisture or root. No place for it. These are the kind who start out great, but soon as the heat comes, they begin to wither because they have no depth. There's a lot of people like that. You have to realize that persecution comes to everyone. 
In fact, 2 Timothy 3 verse 12 says, Yes, and all who live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer or will suffer persecution. Everybody should expect that times of heat will come. If you don't have any roots, you're going to give in. You're going to give in quickly. Number three is the thorny soil. This occasion in Luke chapter 8 verse 14, we read, Now the ones that fell among thorns are those who when they have heard go out and are choked with the cares, riches, and pleasures of life and bring no fruit to maturity. There was a time evidently when there was not a lot of thorns and thistles and weeds. However, when you go back to the fall of man in the book of Genesis, since that time they have been a problem. Genesis chapter 3 verse 18 says, Both thorns and thistles it will bring forth for you, and you shall eat the herb of the field. That means that every time Adam from him forward that we go plant, you have to weed your garden. You have to weed your crops. A few years ago, we were on the northern shore of the Sea of Galilee, and I walked by and I said, that looks like a really good picture of a thorn or a thistle. You walk up next to it, it'll scratch you because it's, it's one of those. What's bad is when you look at a field and there's a whole field full of them. And you realize that nothing can grow there because it would be choked out. Sort of like my garden. When you let things go. And the truth is there's only one solution. You have to remove them. You can't leave the weeds. You can't leave the thorns and thistles. Proverbs 24 verses 30 and 31 I went by the field of a lazy man and by the vineyard of a man devoid of understanding. And there it was, all overgrown with thorns. Its surface was covered with nettles. Its stone wall was broken down. He's talking about a lazy man who never puts any effort into it. That's what happens to it. Do you know the same thing is true about people's lives? Some people never put any effort, never, never any energy in trying to clean out the weeds out of their lives. And what happens, as he says here, it chokes out the good seed. And he tells us specifically the thorns are the cares, the riches, and pleasures of life. That doesn't mean that these are wrong things. It means they're things that are in competition with the good seed. You know, I've met a lot of people that I think are just good-hearted folks. What happens is they add a little responsibility here and they add another responsibility there and another one over here and they're on this board and they're on that board and they're, they're involved in this recreational activity and that one. And pretty soon you say, can you do something here at the church? No, I'm sorry, I just don't have any time. You don't have any time. And the Lord gets the leftovers. And there's very little of it. will not you listen to Hebrews chapter 6, verses 7 and 8. For the earth which drinks in the rain that often comes upon it and bears herbs useful for those by whom it is cultivated receives a blessing from God. But if it bears thorns and briars, it is rejected and near to being cursed, whose end is to be burned. 
At some point, if your field becomes so full of weeds and thorns and nettles and no good seed, there's no benefit to that field. Number four is the good soil. Luke 8 and verse 15 says, But those that fell on the good ground are those who, having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. This soil has been prepared. It's not hardened. It's sufficiently deep. It's been properly weeded. It's a good heart. I can't tell you, I love to be able to have a Bible study with a person who has this kind of heart. A person who's willing and ready to receive whatever God says. And it it makes an impact on them. They keep it and they bear fruit. It doesn't take long that you see that it sinks down good deep roots and then fruit comes from it. Psalm 119, says, or verse 11, Your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. You see, you put that word of God in somebody, you plant it deep, and then something bad comes along, like sin, and then you avoid it. In John 14, verse 23, Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me and keeps my word, And my Father will love him and we will come to him and we'll make our home with him. You take God's word and you receive it, you keep it, and God and the Lord Jesus Christ will be with you. On the wonderful passage from John 15, you could spend the hour talking about chapter 15, just noticing verse 2 and verse 8. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes it away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it that it may bear more fruit. Verse 8, by this is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, and so you shall be my disciples. The kind of person whose life starts showing that God's word is within them. Jesus, the sower, is trying to plant the seed, the word of God, into your heart. The question is, will you let him? Are you going to be the kind of person that will receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls? Will you let it be planted there? Hosea 4, or excuse me, Hosea 10 verse 12 says, Sow for yourselves righteousness, reap in mercy, break up your fallow ground. Fallow ground's not been used in a while. Break it up. Allow God's word to be able to Fill your hearts. Good seed planted in a good heart will produce a good Christian. Tonight, if you are not a child of God, I want you to think very seriously about the seed and what it will do with you. Either you're going to receive it or you're going to reject it. There are no other alternatives. If you receive it as good ground, it's going to bear fruit in you. But it's it's the possibility that you may be one of those who don't have a lot of depth. We need to work on that. You may be a person who has a lot of things in your life that's crowding it out. You need to work on that. 
If you're wayside soil, you're probably not listening to a word I've said already anyway. And that's a sad fact. But you can choose yourself whether or not you want to be a person devoted to the Lord and in His kingdom. If you need to become a Christian or return to the Lord, please come as together we stand and sing.